Hi, friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Lauren. And welcome to Okay, But Did You Know? A podcast where we talk about the TV and media that we love with a friend who's never seen it before. Today, we're recapping and chatting about Bob's Burgers Season 2, Episode 7, Moody Foodie, and Season 2, Episode 8, Bad Tina. I'm having a wonderful night so far. I'm about to do the synopsis because I just got to watch the preview, uh, premiere of uh, Season 14 nice. of Bob's Burgers. Very nice. So I am on a Bob's Burger high tonight. It is, it's really good. Can't mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. But when we get there, it's good. When we get there in four years. 84 years later. <laughs> I'm going to blame Sammy for that one. Yeah. All right. So season two, episode seven, Moody Foodie. A food critic, the Moody Foodie, is making his way through the restaurants near the Wonder Wharf and Bob is next. They receive a bad review and Bob does not take it well. He starts losing business and is determined to change the critic's mind. And as always, we start with puns. So the vacant storefront was the grindecologist coffee shop. If there was more on the end of it, I couldn't see it. My TV, it looked like my TV cut off the last word. No, it's not. It's, it is shop. Um, okay. I'm not sure. It doesn't really tell us what, what that other thing could be. Um, mm-hmm. No one knows. Okay. Uh, but the secondary sign says sale. And I love that every time we have – oh, uh, but I love that every time we have these uh, businesses next door, so many times it's sale, clearance. It, they're very obviously not doing well. Well, that's why there's a new one every single time. All right. Did you see the pest control truck? Mr. Stompy's pest control. Not the most – Clever this time. Sign includes boots stomping on a cockroach. No. All right. And how many burgers of the day? Okay. Well, we have the if looks could kale burger, which is, I mean, that was, he was talking about that at the farmer's market. So we got that one. I love when he talks about them though. Yeah. Uh, We have the little Swiss bun shine burger, which is hard to say, comes on a buttered bun. That was very hard to say and very hard. I was like, I was looking at it, I'm like, am I seeing this correctly? Like, I, I know the pun that they're making, but I was trying to figure out where it was going. A reference to the 2006 film Little Miss Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the girls just want to have fennel burger. This is the one he actually cooks for the food critic. Mm-hmm. And it's more Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. And lastly, the final kraut down burger comes with sauerkraut. A reference to the song The Final Countdown by the band Europe. Mm-hmm. So we are introduced to quite a few characters um, in this because a few of them do eventually return. Okay. Uh, so Tim Meadows as Mike the Mailman currently. Okay. Mike does – Tim Meadows does not stay Mike. Okay. But I'm not telling you who eventually plays him because it's actually really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar Nunez – Plays Pepe. Okay. Eddie Pepitone as Reggie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Peters as Tran. All of these people come back. Okay. That makes sense. I think. I don't remember Tran all that much, but I do remember Reggie for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I know you clocked this one. Patton Oswalt plays yeah. the Moody Foodie. Yes, that one I, that I, one know, I got. Uh, Patton Oswalt's voice is too distinctive to not yep. know it's him. So this is a very 
bizarre and chaotic episode. Yeah. You, you okay? I'm just looking at my notes again. I'm very excited, but I'm going to give you a couple of uh, fun facts and mm-hmm. tell you about my night last night. Okay. The plot of this episode is similar to the plot of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode, Patty's Pub, the worst bar in Philadelphia, which also involves a critic being taken hostage. I have watched probably too much of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so it's a very interesting episode. Okay. Um, The next couple of uh, <laughs> notes are... The Wet Willy scene at the end of the episode is a, uh, an homage to a similar torture scene in Quentin Tarantino's film Reservoir Dogs. Okay, then. As well as that while this episode was in production, Michael Madsen, known for his role as Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dogs, was accidentally dropped off by the studio while on his way to work on a different project. Noticing the coincidence that the episode had... Uh, that it was a parody of Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. He was asked in to record a part and he agreed. He voices Kevin Costner in the scene where the family and patrons of Bob's, Bur- Bob's Burgers watch Tin Cup. Okay. And it was completely random mm-hmm. because he was just dropped off at the wrong studio. Yeah. Um, my last note, and then I'm going to go back to Reservoir Dogs for a second, mm-hmm. but Mr. Fish, Mr. Fishoder describes Bob as a tumor with teeth. These are known as teratomas. H. John Benjamin voiced such a tumor in an episode of Lucy, the Daughter of the Devil, a, ser- a series that is also created by Lauren Bouchard. Hmm. Okay. So this one's just got some really interesting things going on. Yeah. Um, when I learned these things, I brought up to Steven, because we have watched quite a few Tarantino movies, but of course not this one. This is Tarantino's first, or like Reservoir Dogs is his first, I guess, feature film. Mm-hmm. I do not recommend it. Okay. Have you, I'm, I'm going to take it that you've never seen no, it. Nope, I have not. Don't do it. Okay. Just don't do it. Um, I'll explain to you privately why. Um... But Steven and I sat there last night. It's an hour and 45 minutes. And by the end of it, both of us were just sitting there like, what the hell did we just watch? <laughs> it's a. It's it's a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a movie that exists. I don't want to explain it. It's a movie that exists. Probably shouldn't. Um, but it. uh, Yeah. But they parried it. And it is what it is. It's. So yeah, your notes. Okay. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I don't want to talk about a lot of the things that happen in the movie on here because it is far too explicit, even yeah, no, for an explicit fair. podcast, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's also a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Uh, my first funny note is that no reusing noodles. Yes, throw them out. <laughs> yes, please throw the, the... And then the carne asada is beef? <laughs> I was like, dude... You own a restaurant. Um, I, I wrote down, okay, the beard is obviously fake, but then I wrote, it's a Hasidic Jew. Am I going to have to explain this on the podcast now? No, because I've been to Miami. Okay. I've seen quite a few Hasidic Jews yeah. in my time. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the beard or the like why yeah they are the way they are but i have seen them in person oh yeah i don't fully understand uh the beard and the the payas which is the um the little curly uh bits of hair that hang down from their temples that's a payas is that payas yeah is the way that it's i think it's 
Ah. I think P-E-O-S, I think is the way it's spelled. Um, I, okay. I think I, my understanding of that, not, I don't, I don't understand the significance of the facial hair quite as much. Um, I know there's something to do with how long it is and when you get it cut and all that. But um, Hasidic Jews, just very briefly, are a, for, for people who listen to podcasts that don't know, um, are an ultra-Orthodox sect of uh, Judaism. And they have different, different. I don't know, I, I can't even, I don't even know what the phrasing of it would be. Because like even amongst the Hasidic Jews, like there's different mm-hmm. communities. So there's the Satmar community, there's the Lubavitch community that they kind of, for the most part, follow different, they're, they're from different uh, originating countries. But Hasidic is usually the very ultra orthodox. They're always wearing um, like the hats. The they're usually wearing like some kind of like you know button up shirts. They're wearing like the the sitzis, like the prayer the prayer shawls underneath everything. They're very ultra orthodox uh, Judaism. So even more so than like your regular orthodox, you would assume, even further. Like they're they're following like the Talmud and the Torah like almost to the letter of the law if they can. Oh, wow. See, it, it was just interesting for us because when we went to Miami a few years ago, we had never mm-hmm. been. Um, a large population of Hasidic Jews is not what you expect. No, it's not. In Miami. No. But it it exists, and it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool, honestly. <laughs> it yeah. was actually just really cool mm-hmm. because I don't think there are any Hasidic Jews in my area. I'd be shocked if there are honestly but there is quite a population mm-hmm. of them in miami of all places there's a lot of jews in florida really yeah like the the joke i think like from like the nanny like that like you know a lot of jews like will like kind of snowbird mm-hmm. in florida like the older like the older community um but there's yeah. a large community of um of jews that just live in in florida in general in like in like the boca raton area in miami area Oh, that's really cool. They're there a lot. I I nice weather. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but which led into my next one was, okay, this is clearly the joke they're making, but is no one clocking the Jew that ordered a cheeseburger? I did. <laughs> I did it. I took the kosher lesson to heart. <laughs> like, I saw that. I'm just like, I mean, that's clearly the joke that they're making. But, like, you're not going to question the ultra-Orthodox Jew ordering a cheeseburger? Okay. I I will say though the f- all the other times I've watched I have never pinpointed that mm-hmm. this time because I got a kosher lesson from you yep. I knew I there was like wait a minute he should not be ordering this <laughs> you're welcome I was so proud of myself <laughs> I'm proud of you <laughs> thank you I was like yay I'm cultured. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, and I hope something is similar in your notes. Okay. Are there Civil War reenactments up north? Yeah. Really? I wrote. I I wrote. I wrote down. Yeah, like holy, like holy shit! The Civil War reenactor is dressed as a Confederate soldier. They. I mean, we're. I mean, we're not too far from Gettysburg. Like, not not terribly far. True. I just thought this was a very distinct Southern thing. No, yeah, it's it's all over the place. I mean, it's like it's it's history. You, you see weird history buffs all over the place, and I I mean that with love. Um, I don't think it's as common to see people wandering around in Confederate garb up north. Up north, <laughs> let me in, make that <laughs> in the in the in the states. Yeah, it's not as common to see people wandering around when in. I mean, I'm obviously people do 
they, you need someone to be the Confederate side for these things. But it's not as common to don't. see them wandering around <laughs> in states that used to be part of the Union. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah, it can. It it. I really thought it was a distinctly like Southern thing because I I always grew up because we actually have one that takes place not too far. Mm-hmm. There was a. It's the uh, the Battle of Aiken in South Carolina, yeah. but I grew up near the border of South Carolina and Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, uh, grew up. You actually had times like every year around the same time. People would start asking, you going to go up to the Battle of Aiken? And I'm like, I really do not want to go watch people cosplay as losers. I'm good. Um, <laughs> I am now. No, thank you. I am now looking up uh, Civil War reenactment groups by state. Oh, I'm curious. Uh, there are several. Most of them, I could. all of the ones in New Jersey are union reenactments. I would hope so, so honestly. You probably wouldn't. So you probably wouldn't see people like in, in state. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't see a Confederate soldier uh, reenactment. But they do exist. But yeah, all the, all the Pennsylvania okay. ones are uh, Union. New York is all Union. Um, so in, in the area where Bob's Burgers conceivably would be. They're all Union. You're not really. They're all Union reenactments. So you probably wouldn't see a Confederate soldier wandering around the streets. But they do exist. I wish I could relate. Um, I have seen many people in Confederate garb in my life. So. But mm. I grew up in the deep south of georgia so <laughs> yeah like i said a lot of people like to cosplay as the losing team here uh it is what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i can't wait for more of your notes um so after the uh after the review came out i went honestly how different is it with just teddy and mort than normally like how different is this uh yeah true like we do see, and like I, I at the very end, I did note that like their um their promotion of like you got a discount if you brought in the review, um that's very smart, but like on a normal day, are we normally seeing more people than Teddy and Mort at this time of day? Probably well, you not. have the guy that ordered the uh, messed up burger in the beginning that yeah, keeps coming true. back, mm. which is disturbing in itself. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down, oh God, Bob, no, don't dream about corporate life. You deserve so much better. And I was like, okay, it's a nightmare. This is good. I wrote, office jobs look so boring. I've never had one. Yeah. I mean, mine is not the same. It's not a simple, it's not the same kind of culture because it's a much smaller company. But signing birthday cards is a lot of pressure. Really? I mean, like. If you know the person, it's one thing. But if it's like like a someone you work with mm-hmm. that like you don't really know that well, like what are you gonna write in their birthday card? Oh yeah, I I've always worked mainly in F and B. We just did shots for if it was somebody's birthday. Yeah, a little a little go. bit more. I will say fun. <laughs> yeah, I I put a little extra pressure on myself when it comes to cards. Like for people that I like, um, not so much in the message that I write in the card, but um, I have uh the Tombow uh, Fudenosuke like brush uh, nib pens. Um, because I do kind of faux calligraphy on them. So I do that. I write happy birthday and like nice loopy lettering and it's very pretty. So I do that. I, but I impose that upon myself. That's really sweet though. It, it comes out really nice when I spell things correctly. Oh goodness. Says the writer. <laughs> I misspelled, I misspelled anniversary on my anniversary card to my girlfriend last year. Oh honey. I put in, I think I left out an N. I hope she framed it. No, I think she threw it out. Dang, come on, Emily. You frame that. That'd be hilarious. 
Yep, show up at the critic's house unannounced and cook for him. There's no way this could backfire. Yeah, taping people to chairs is bad. But I wrote down um, comic book... I, no, sorry, I wrote down Moody Foodie is the worst. He kind of reminds me of comic book guy, but about food instead of nerd culture TV. In the way that he said he was going to like write a bad review about the taser that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Just gave me worst taser ever kind of vibes. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Yeah. Is that all your notes? And then my very last... My very last funny. I, I, I wrote other yeah. random things where I was, you know, talking. Just, I was commenting on the show to myself. But my very last funny one is just in all caps. Lig gasp. Bob is trusting a review over his own opinions. Oh, no. About the movie. Yeah. It, it, it Full circle. Mm-hmm. Full circle moment. For full circle moment. Is Tin Cup a real movie? I don't know. I mean, it, it mentioned, like, my notes mentioned that, you know... He voices Kevin Costner in the scene, so I'm like, mm-hmm. I've never heard of Tin Cup before. Why didn't I look this up? Tin Cup is a movie from 1996. Yeah. Oh. Well, the more you know. That's a real movie. So, did you notice the continuity within this episode? I don't think so. I'm not sure what you're referring to. The ice cream machine is now a permanent oh. fixture in the restaurant. I have noticed that in the last couple episodes that it's still there. Because he screams out like, oh, the ice cream machine. He gets really excited when he's like after his nightmare. Um, And then my last note is just opening other people's mail is definitely very illegal. Don't do it. Also, why did he need a signature for a DVD delivery? I have no idea. Like that package. My cell phone didn't need a delivery. Didn't need a signature when it got delivered the other day. I only know things about the postal service. I don't know. UPS just put it down on top of another box they were delivering. Like, I was home, so I grabbed it. But, like, it would have just sat outside. Oh, my. Yeah. I only have books delivered to me for the most part. So, and everything Mm. else comes through the postal service. And uh, there are many times that they don't even get delivered to my house because my husband will tell his coworker to leave it at work and he will wait until he gets off to bring me home my packages. Mm. I'm still mad. I know you got it eventually, but I'm still mad that the book that I sent you just sat there for like two weeks. I will say I used to work in a a postal office like plant, like where actually where you Mm -hmm. sort everything. The the big sorting like distribution center. Yes, I, I have worked in one of those before. And I will say it is very, very easy to lose things in those buildings. They are humongous and there are. Mm -hmm just things everywhere it's very easy to lose things which means they probably lost it and were cleaning and found it and finally sent it my way it didn't come damaged yeah. that's all i'm gonna say it came and that's that's good it was it was in good form I still that's good i still wonder some days because one one book that i got recently I, I don't know if it was i think it was laser ships it wasn't the u.s postal service and it wasn't ups um because laser ship they'll put stuff in weird places but they um they left it outside where it could get rained on. Oh. Um, and like in in they put stuff in front of our garage. But like I'm mean, not not that they know this, but like we actually use our garage. Someone parks in there. So like if you don't tell me that there's a package there, the person who drives who parks their car in the garage drives over stuff. Oh my. If we don't know that it's there. Uh. So luckily 
luckily a book that i got recently it, it got rained on but it didn't nothing like no one drove up mm-hmm. my, my dad found it before um it could get driven over but he's like so you got a book uh the package was really wet so i opened it uh he's like the book is fine though i'm like okay I've That's noticed fine. a lot of people are now shipping them in like plastic bags inside the cardboard boxes. I think specifically for that reason. Yeah, Barnes and Noble still hasn't done that. They they're just they're just putting it in cardboard and sending it off. It's Barnes and Noble. Yeah. What did you rate this one? So this one, I gave it an eight for plot because I thought it was fairly solid. It was fairly chaotic. Um, I gave it a nine for character. Okay. Because I really I really enjoyed it. Um. I gave it a seven for personal, though. I don't, not entirely certain why it got a little bit lower on personal. Um, I think it might have had a little bit to do with the repetitiveness towards the very end mm-hmm. with all of them in the hostage situation. So it get, I, it got a twenty four out of thirty, which is still fairly solid. Is also it's fairly average for this season for this season, especially. I'm getting yeah. like mid high mid high twenties. So I gave it a eight for plot. I think I love this plot. It's fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Eight yeah. for character. I love Patton Oswalt. Honestly, he's one of my favorite actors out there. It's his his something about his voice. I I don't know. Yeah. Um. And seven personal. I so I gave this one a twenty three. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, we're so close. So close. All right. And then we had episode eight, Bad Tina. Tina welcomes a new student to Wagstaff and is thrust into a chaotic friendship with the new girl Tammy. She gets detention on the night she is supposed to babysit her younger siblings, and Bob and Linda go to a cake performance. Is the Belcher family ready for Tina's changes to being a teenager? I need my puns. Where are my puns? Here we go. Puns. So we had Valley of the Doilies, which I thought that was quite clever. Yes, I like this one because it's the play on the book slash film Valley of the Dolls. And the vermin surgeon, which I think, again, is far more clever than um, yeah. Mr. Stompy's or whatever it was in the last episode. So there is a, a secondary sign on the vacant storefront, and it says, sale 50% off. But it's really funny because it's in the shape of a doily. Oh. Um, so that was fun. And then, so the vermin surgeon does have a, how do you say that? Caduceus? Caduceus? I think it's a caduceus. It, uh, the staff carried by Hermes in Greek mythology, which is widely used for a symbol of medicine. Um, and looks like, all right, we have two burgers of the day. I think I got both of them. I have the sit and spinach burger. A reference to the popular sit and spin toy from the 80s. I have one of those. I did too. And the sweaty palms burger comes with hearts of palm, which is I don't know a terrible that- name for a burger. I, well, I want to know how that tastes. That cannot taste good. I don't like hearts of palm. So this is our first appearance of Tammy Larson and Miss Jacobson. Both are continue within the show. The mm-hmm. uh, okay. more introduction introduction of regular characters. Tammy is played by Jenny Slate, which I think most people know from Parks and Rec. Um, yep. she plays John Ralphio's sister. So if mm-hmm. you need Mona to Lisa. really have a visual. Just remember the Don't Be Suspicious song, and you will know exactly who Jenny Slate is. (laughs) And quite frankly, Tammy and Mona Lisa, these pictures are the same. These pictures are the same. Uh, And then Melissa Galski plays Miss Jacobson. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so what's funny is you only see Tammy right now with brown hair. Tammy's hair mm-hmm. was colored blonde in the promotional images for this episode. And the okay. finished episode, it's brown. In all of Tammy's appearances after this, she's actually blonde. Okay. It's the only time you see Tammy with brown hair. Okay. Interesting. Um, and this is also the first appearance of the Wharf Arts Center. Mm. I told you there'd be more fart jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the piercer at Pokey Piercings is reading an MCAT chemistry textbook. Okay, respect. The candy Jean and Louise eat in Tina's closet are called combustibles. <laughs> Whew, now the thing that I'm really excited for that I already know you have the list of. I do have the list of this. All of the films and TV shows Tina has written fan fiction. Now I will also say we just talked about fan fiction. <laughs> In our once episode. in the Yeah, we did. So this is just a very heavy fan fiction talk today. Yeah, it's a good time. I have never, ever read any fan, fan fiction before, but let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I was I was in the, you know, I was obviously, I was in the Once Upon a Time fandom, shockingly, as that is the other half of this podcast. Um, so I was in the RP uh, community, which is predominantly collaborative fan fiction is the way that I s- use it to make it seem less weird um because this rp is short for role play where it's like basically i write as one character someone else writes as the other character and we go back and forth that way and, and we create a story based off of that i never did anything that was terribly like plot heavy if i ever if i ever did anything terribly plot heavy it was the stuff that i wrote by myself a lot of the stuff that i would write in these threads were more like slice of life kind of short fun quippy mm-hmm. things to make me feel better because my characters went through a lot of trauma on the show and I will say, I never wrote any self-insert uh, fan fiction, which my guess is Tina's stuff is predominantly self-insert. Yes, Tina's stuff is would be my most definitely predominantly self-insert. Yeah. But what got me was the line of, what kind of maniac wakes up an hour early to write erotic fan fiction? And then I wrote, in my defense, I did not wake up early to do so, but I did stay up very, very late. I think my record might have been 4 a.m. once. 4 a.m. writing fan fiction? I, had not, I, I didn't have class the next day. I love you. All right, so you want to you want to give us all of the uh, shows that Tina I, wrote yes, fan fiction in. Mm-hmm. So, all of the pieces of media that Tina Belcher was writing fan fiction of include Twilight, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Cinderella, The Simpsons, Gossip Girl, Sesame Street, ER, Bones, Law and Order. 60 Minutes, Garfield, 90210, The Good Wife, and The Muppets. I do not have Bones on my list. Did she do Bones? She did. Okay. Trust me, I paused this to make sure that I got everything. All right. Well, I will say, I know that Lauren just listed the names, but the what makes it funnier is you've got stuff that says erotic Twilight, sexy Sesame yes. Street, um, All of them start with that kind of identifier. I didn't write that. The down. sexy Simpsons and the sexy Lord of the Rings have done me in. I can't stop. I, oh my god! I mean, it's the rule of the internet. If something exists, there's erotic fanfiction. Oh for yeah, it. I mean erotic Muppets. I mean, I would like to know what's happening in erotic Gar- uh, Garfield, but also please don't tell me. Nah, I, th- 
Some things we're not meant to know. Nope, nope. Don't need to know. So sticking to Mm -hmm. Tina, though, more of Tina's bedroom, which was redesigned after season one, is seen in this episode. The chest of drawers with a television on it has been replaced by a closet door. Jean and Louise hide in that closet while Tammy's visiting. Mm -hmm. Um, There were also films showing at Cinema 4 when they were showing the movie theater. Our Mm -hmm. dog prom, rated G. Never Ending Gory, rated R. Ninja Nannies. (laughs) And Mr. Sister. Okay. Um, And lastly, the scene in which Jimmy Jr. breaks Tina's porcelain porcelain is a parody of the Tennessee Williams play, The Glass Menagerie. Okay, that makes sense. I love the realization. Yeah, so I'm not thinking too hard about these most days, but then like, okay, that makes sense. The, it's 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 the references. There's so many that are yeah. just you don't think th- of it. I know my thing with the glass menagerie. Um, when I was in 11th grade, so we were there was I guess for some reason we we saw I think maybe some maybe like a local theater group was doing something because we did see a production of the glass menagerie, but we were also reading, um. A streetcar named Desire. We we're just doing a whole Tennessee Williams situation, and I remember we had to write our, you know, final test for that unit was some kind of essay that we had to write in class. And my teacher, she's like, I could really tell that you really enjoyed both of these plays and the way that I wrote it. And I'm like, Yes, I did. In my head, I hated both of these plays with a burning passion. I'm really, really good at bullshitting. Same man. The amount of essays. Like I can find like the. I can find like the thematic connections. I can make myself sound, I can sound really passionate because I'm passionate about story structure. I'm passionate about these themes and all this. I'm not passionate about these plays. I feel that. You should have seen me when we had to do Romeo and Juliet in high school. Mm, That was a time. Yeah. All I got to say though is the teacher I had allowed us to write our essay pretty much like an opinion piece almost Mm -hmm. on Romeo and Juliet. So I got I got to write all the flaws of Romeo and Juliet and how it was not good for teenagers. I got an A. And that's what matters. And that's what matters. Oh, notes, notes, notes. Okay. Um, uh, I'm glad we never actually used fire in chemistry. We had hot plates. We didn't have Bunsen burners. That was a lot safer. Oh, we had nothing. There was no funding. Yeah, we had like these like hot plates that honestly probably were like 10 years old when I used them and they're probably still using them. Not the safest in the world, but they're still safer than like open flames. We had labs with all the stuff. Oh. We weren't allowed to use them. Um, fine, but I'm going to complain the whole time is a mood. <laughs> that is a like constant meme. You will see that meme everywhere. I, I liked... Uh, I wear glasses, not hearing aids. While disrespectful, was very clever. Very, very clever. Although, what is a boob punch, and why? Are, why is that an? Insult? I don't because they they don't feel good. I guess. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. The rules of friend fiction: don't show the friends the fiction. I yeah. Again, I did not write f- fan fiction or friend fiction. Nothing involved me. It was all. It was all characters. Feel the need to disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, oh no, not the margarita mix that isn't actually alcoholic. And then Tammy just being like, oh, I feel it. And I'm like, honey, no, no, no. you're a child. Mm -hmm. Mommy doesn't get drunk. She gets, she just has fun. I wrote that down too, because I also wrote next to mine. I really, yeah, that's, that's an entire mood. (laughs) That is an entire mood. Um, I wrote down, Jenny Slate really does have a niche for terrible people. She does. She does so well. And Tammy returns. And then my, my last funny one was just um, butt loose, butt loose, kick off your Sunday shoes because I was just having fun with that. <laughs> they, I, I love mm-hmm. the banter because even yeah. the banter is full of puns. Um, and the beginning, I loved this note. Uh, Tina is polyamorous mm-hmm. and it makes me so happy because she, within her own friends fiction, is like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're all happy. We're good. And that... That ideology returns, mm-hmm. which I really love. Um, and I like kind of starting to yeah. make it more normalized. I'm with you. And then the last the last mm-hmm. note will make you very happy. I, well, maybe happy is not the word. How did Frond not stop her when she said the word erotic? Yeah, I'll be quite honest. I think, no, I wrote down, honestly, I'm on Frond's side here. Really? But Fran didn't do anything until the last minute. No, I know, but he he should have. I, I had he done it sooner, I probably would have been even more inside. But like this is one time, like I, I um we stop this now. <laughs> I was he he let her start, and she did say mm-hmm. like when she first started, I'm read she like I'm reading my erotic fr- fan fiction. He just stood yeah. there, and I'm like the word erotic should have made Fran go shut up. Nope, don't do that. Yep. Shut and it down. Didn't shut it down. No. So, what did you think of cake? Well, as I wrote down like when I, I think I must have been writing something down when they first did like the commercial for it. So I, I think I missed what it was at first, and then as we got into it, I'm like, so is this just stomp but with hands? <laughs> It's stomp with hands. And for people who uh, don't know what stomp is, because I'm now realizing that quite a few people don't know what that is. Hmm. Um, I, I think it's very niche for like our age group because maybe uh, there were a lot of situations in school where they would wheel mm-hmm. out the TV. That's that's an ancient yep. that's an ancient sentence within itself. They would wheel out either, the TV. They'd either wheel it out or you'd or you'd walk in and you'd hear the static and you'd know that it was movie day. Yep. And then they would take out the VHS of Stomp, and that's what you would watch. And I said VHS. That's how, that's how old I feel right mm-hmm. now. It, they eventually moved on to DVDs. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. eventually. I was in high school. They, they kept, yeah, I was like, they, they kept the same tube TVs that you could hear from the doorway. Oh, yeah. I don't think... No, I graduated before anybody got updated TVs, I think. My school had... No, you know what? This isn't true. They didn't update the TVs until after I'd left, because when I went back as a substitute, by then, they had updated TVs in all the classrooms. Um, but the classrooms that had TVs, they were mounted to the ceiling. I don't know how that was safe, um, but it was the same tube TVs that used to be on the TV carts. They were just mounted to the ceilings. To the what? Those things are heavy. I don't know how that was safe. It wasn't. Honestly, by then, most teachers opted, if they were going to show a movie, almost all the classrooms had smart boards. 
Mm-hmm. So that were attached to their computers that had yeah. disk drives. So they would just play it off of their uh, computer and did. they'd probably just like set up external, like some kind of external speaker system and do it that way because it was far safer than trying to connect a DVD player to that thing. I, I remember when we got all of our smart boards and they started doing that. And like the smart boards were always the worst because they had to be calibrated constantly to the mm-hmm. point I had a teacher that would take out her old fashioned projector and just use the smart board with it turned off where you so yeah so that you could see what she was doing. And we'd always Mine ask her, well, why don't you just figure out the smart board? She's like, This works. That doesn't. I'm here to teach, not not troubleshoot. And we're like, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. She was a math teacher, so it But like you yeah, using like the overhead projector with like those transparency sheets for math is perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, it made complete sense. She was like, what do I need a smart board for? Yeah. They took more of my whiteboard away. Like, mm-hmm. this helps with nothing. Yep. So, oh, boy. What did you rate this one? So I gave this one, I gave it a seven for plot. It was fairly solid. Mm-hmm. It was a little repetitive, but, like, not terrible. Um, I gave it an eight for character. It did lose some points for the um, excessiveness that was Zeke. Yeah. Not a big fan of Zeke. And Zeke paired with Tammy, I gave it a 7 for personal. So this one got a 22. <laughs> so I gave uh, an 8 for plot, mm-hmm. a 7 for character, um, and an 8 for po- uh, personal. So mine's a 23. I love that you're just like, mm, not a fan of Zeke. Because that is no. not, that's not common. That's not a common opinion I tend to see. Oh, wow. I think people like his tenacity. He reminds me, I mean, like, he's very indicative, I think, of a boy his age, but I think that's the issue, is he reminds me of a lot of kids at that age that I knew. They, yeah, those weren't fun times in, in many situations. No. I, we only have one more episode in season two, which is mm-hmm. sad. Oh, yeah. But, well, it's just, it's, I, like I said, all of these episodes are so good. Like, I know we've been like, I don't like this, and I don't like that, but, like, mm-hmm. Looking back, these are really good episodes. Yeah. Let me look at so far for my, um, for like, I've given almost, I've given nothing below a seven. Like, no, nothing, none of the stats have gotten below a seven. Wow. For anything. I mean, I had a, yeah. Yeah, seven is the lowest I've given any category. Same. There's nothing below a seven in any category for, well, for me, the entire show, but season two as well. Uh, no, I was, I was say for season one as well, but no, for season one I gave one uh, episode. A, I, I gave a couple of sixes, one for plot and one for personal. That's fair, and one. I think one of those is probably bed and breakfast because you hate bed and breakfast. I did not like bed. You know, yeah, bed and breakfast got a six for personal, um, and sexy dance fighting got a six for plot. I'm really happy I've gotten you into this show though because mm-hmm. it just gets better from here. Okay. Uh, we will soon, I think, start getting to more of like the family friendly episodes. Even though a lot of these episodes, you can't, you don't, they're not as crass as like the first yeah. episode. Some of mm-hmm. these episodes are really like I should not watch this with children. Yeah. Um, but it it does slowly start to become much more family friendly. And then, uh, I'm trying to actually think when does that happen. So they haven't been super, you know musical mm-hmm. yet but eventually oh there's a lot more singing okay and a lot more fun songs and season three is also when we start our holiday episodes gotcha because usually in every season you have a halloween episode 
a Thanksgiving episode, a Christmas episode, and they kind of move between Valentine's, Mother's Day, Father's Day. Like, it just depends on what they're doing that year. Um, They don't always do all of those. That's fair. Given the fact that the next few seasons are going forward now, it's all like 22 episode seasons or roughly 22 episodes. That makes more sense because these first two seasons were both very short, but they also were over the same Mm -hmm. amount of time that you would see usually one full season. Like we got 22 episodes over the course of like September or October to May, but they're just split into 13 episodes in season one and nine in season two for some reason. Yeah, it doesn't make any. It's it's almost like we don't have actually like fourteen seasons now because we just started season fourteen. It should mm-hmm. feel like we only have thirteen, but because yeah. of the way Fox numbers them and decided to do that, this is what we have. Yeah, sometimes the numbering system doesn't always make sense. Exactly, but this means that it'll take us a little bit longer <laughs> to get through a season now, mm-hmm. and I'm very very excited. Because- yeah. Yeah, well, like with like with Once Upon a Time, there's one episode in season four that if mm-hmm. you split it up the way that the streaming services split it up, the hundredth episode is no longer the hundredth episode. Oh, which is why it bothers me. This is an episode in season four that when it aired, it aired as one two-hour-long episode for some particular reason. I don't know why, but that's the way they aired it. But on all streaming services, what was just four oh eight is now. This episode, part one and part two, as four hundred eight and four hundred nine. Okay, which messes. Which is why I always tell people with like, with like numbering conventions, if they have questions about that season, I'm like, if it's season four, you got to give me the title because if you're asking me for four hundred nine, I'm going to give you Fall, not Smash the Mirror Part Two, because my brain does not compute with streaming services. That makes sense because there's been so many situations too, just in the first two seasons, where they're like, so this episode was supposed to be at this time, but Fox decided to put it at this time. Like how we have the mm-hmm. one that this was that was not actually supposed to be the finale, but it's the finale. Uh, that doesn't yeah. happen, I think, as much because after after the first two seasons of Bob's, it gets very much they get into their mm-hmm. pattern and they get into their thing a lot like smoother. Yeah. Um. And now I just get to sit back and watch for now that we're watching season fourteen to see how often mm-hmm. I have to wait for more episodes because the worst part about having bobs is your favorite show is sports oh yep that's that it makes sense because sports is a lot of sports happen on sundays there's a lot of sports and bobs usually comes on on sunday evenings we don't watch till mondays mm-hmm. uh because mm-hmm. i'm not i, I, I don't want to keep my kids up that late so we watch all yeah. together on on mondays uh while we eat just a little thing that we do and mm-hmm. there's so many situations where sunday night football goes too long and so they're like oh we're gonna push it a week or It'll always mm. say there's even times it's like, oh, it'll come on after the football game. And then you're just waiting. It's waiting. Um, and then you have all these gaps because suddenly like after the Halloween, uh, after like the holiday episodes, you're just like, all right, we may not see another episode until February. Yeah. So while I'm really happy Bob's is back, <laughs> I'm waiting for the anxiety of when do I actually get an episode? That's fair. Thank you all for listening. Join us next time when we discuss Once Upon a Time, episode 112, Skin Deep. Don't forget to like, rate, and follow the podcast wherever you listen so you can be notified every time we publish a new episode. And follow us at obdyk underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. This has been an episode of OK, But Did You Know? A TV and media podcast. It was hosted by Katie and Lauren and edited by Katie.